everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Caroline Talks for the So Here's What Happened podcast. And the podcast where I speak to film and television creatives about their work and art. And today I am joined by writer and director Evan Jackson Leong to discuss his new film, Snakehead, which had a premiere at the New York Asian Film Festival and which we're speaking during the Toronto um, International Film Festival. So he's had quite a busy time recently with his film and I'm very appreciative to him for speaking with me today. So before we start talking about Snakehead, I'll just ask Evan to say a bit about himself and about the film. Evan? Hey everyone, uh, my name is Evan Jackson Leong and I'm a, a sixth generation Chinese American and uh, having this film premiere here at Toronto is truly, truly a dream and an unbelievable experience really as, as, a, as a filmmaker, really. I look at this moment as one of the, the most momentous in my life. So it's great to be here. Great. Um, so like you mentioned that you're a sixth generation um, generation immigrant, which is what the film Snakehead is about. It's about immigrants and about the struggle for um immigrants in North America in particular, um, learning to trying to survive and doing what they have to right. to survive in North America because it's not all roses and it's not like a, it's the streets are not paved with gold. It is not easy. You don't arrive and everything works perfectly, especially for our characters. Um Suga, well, for in English translation, sister Su, played by Shuya Chang, she came over illegal, so she's an she's would be considered an illegal immigrant, and her her start is very rough because she had to abandon her daughter so that she wouldn't be arrested, and she would be was separated for her for eight years, and her journey is one I think that that takes a very unexpected turn because like you when the film starts, you're wondering how it's gonna end, and the way it does is um was very unexpected, but makes perfect sense for the character and the story that you've created. So can you just tell me a bit about um, coming up with the script and the story, especially centering around snakeheads, which are the what we would, the, the people who smuggle in illegal immigrants, or I should say specifically Chinese immigrants into America? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, this, this story, you know, is inspired by a, a true woman that was smuggling, um, you know, Fujinese in the 80s and the 90s in New York Chinatown. And, you know, what for me was what really fascinated me about this story and this project was that it was it's centered around a strong Asian female, right? And I don't really get to see that in film that often. And yet in my life, there are a ton of strong Asian women that are the foundation of any uh, community and family. And, you know, I think, you know, the, you know, the smuggling thing and, and, and my immigrants coming in. I mean, that is definitely an issue that's always, you know, people always move I mean, throughout history. People are always migrating. And what fascinated me as, as this generation Chinese American, you know, I, I grew up here, right? My parents grew up here. My grandmother grew up here in America. And, you know, I was, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, what it took people to leave their home for another opportunity, right? And you leave everything. And, you know, some of it is, um, you know, bravery and also some of it is naivete, right, of what that journey is going to entail. And I can't wrap my head around that because I know where anywhere I would go in the world, I would understand the, the advantage and disadvantage of that. But when you are a migrant traveling to a new place, you know, you're going to be faced with, you know, um, the, the underworld, right? It's just a matter of uh, of, of of your life and that's what I really wanted to you know explore and see in New York Chinatown because there's 
layers and layers of stories in New York Chinatown from the, you know, the 20s to now of, you know, experiences of migrants. And, you know, none of those stories are ever told. And, and for me, I, I was like, oh, you know, this is the story that's based in truth. I can use that as material to create a new sort of, uh, you know, archetype in this world. And, um, you know, for me, really, it's paying homage to, you know, the Asian women in my life. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I, I found I've been watching films a lot, I think, unintentionally about immigration because I myself am an immigrant. I'm um, originally from the Caribbean. So when you're so I and I found for this film in particular, I love that you're showing the perspective of the the emotional toll and the mental toll like being an immigrant takes on someone, um, whether you come in legally, you know, using passports or whatever, whether you're coming in um, illegally, there is something you have to leave part of yourself behind and it is a struggle it is not easy to leave a life that you've led, led at home around people who look like you and who speak like you and who understand you to then travel to a completely new country that you know where you know no one and you and you encounter people that you know who won't understand you and who won't like aren't willing to understand the hardships that you've come from and then also what brought you there and I think you did you explore that really well in the in the film for both um, Suga as well as for Daima because you kind of show Suga is the new immigrant whereas Daima is the old immigrant she's been there for years and she's still struggling and still trying to find doing what she can to hold her place and hold the power she has because her power is not assured she has to keep struggling and fighting whereas Suga she's learning this she's learning the struggle now i mean it's just so exciting to hear you even talk about my film to be perfectly honest <laughs> Thank you know you. i mean we've I, making this movie was such, took such a long journey to get here and uh you know to be out in the world and sharing with us that people understand what i was trying to do and you know it, it's really really amazing so thank you um you know that being said yeah i mean i think the story of the, the immigrant is something that we'll always tell i think that's 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 who we are as humanity because you know, we're constantly looking for stories of inspiration. And, and you know, when, when people have less than us, they're doing something and they're making it's inspirational because it's like, wow, if they can survive. We, we reflect on our own lives and trying to see that own, you know, um, perspective. Yeah, it's I think centering around two women, two, especially two, who, two women who are super strong but are but are still vulnerable in some sense because I want to talk a bit about Daima because to me she's uh she's quite complicated and she's a quite a complex character because she's has this like people like would compare her to like a mob boss and she is essentially a mob boss and that's kind of what this film is this this film to me has a very um Hong Kong um, mob boss feel to it and you get you can set that tone perfectly but she is with all of her hard exterior she's also very vulnerable in some points because she admits to feeling guilt about how her children she doesn't have the connection to her kids that she wants to and how she sees her the faults of herself in her kids especially Rambo played by Sung Kang and so can you just talk a bit about her because I always find it really interesting when we have male writers and directors who write female characters that have so much complexity and I think so much um, wholeness to their characters because frankly that isn't that that does not happen very often. Yeah. So I want you to just stop yeah. talk about like yeah, I mean, yeah, and this I mean it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate that we don't have a character that's an Asian woman that has that complexity because we know they exist and mm -hmm. we know that they have great stories to tell. Um, but you know, no one's telling those stories, and so I think that was part of the struggle of making this film. It was like, um, how do you make something? You know, because this industry is run by you know what people are used to, 
and how to make and 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 what makes money. Um, you know, when you make a movie like this, like you don't know if you're going to get in the tip. You don't know if you'll ever make money. You don't know if you're just going to lose all the money you made on uh, used to make this movie. So, you know, I think that's you know a huge part of uh, uh, the struggle to make this. You know, you know that being said, Daima is and, and played by Jade Wu is just she's just incredible, right? I think when I look at this film now and, and I see her performance. I'm like, wow, she gave me so much more than I could ever have expected. And, you know, as I'm a first time feature filmmaker, so, you know, working in the narrative space, you know, it's new to me. And I was lucky to have like these seasoned, seasoned actors um, give me um, more than, you know, I, I would have uh, asked for or even knew what to ask for, um, you know. And then as an archetype, as a character, I mean, I <laughs> there are a ton of women in Chinatown that are just like her, that own, you know, buildings after buildings after buildings, and they're still counting pennies, you know, and they're still going to work every day in their 80s, you know, and I think that's, to me, um, paying homage to a character like that, I think that's, you know, that's exciting, because, you know, as much as, you know, masculinity and males run the, the face of families in Asian culture, when you really look at it, it's, you know, those powerful men are, they got a more powerful woman at home that's allowing this to happen for this man, I think, a lot of the time. And, you know, I, I, I found that to be a lot more exciting character than just a man driven by his own sort of, you know, need for power and, and, and money, right? Uh, women, her goals are different. Her goal isn't to, she's already rich, you know, and the mm -hmm. power is there. It's like, how do I maintain? How do I build and expand this community versus, you know, trying to you know egotistically gain everything and i felt you know that's what all asian women do right they 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 they, they build versus dominate and i think that's uh um what what Daimon's character totally does and um you know i was lucky very fortunate to have someone of her of her jay Wu's ability to, uh, to play that character yeah, no, she was fantastic. And she actually reminded me of my grandma because my grandma was kind of the same way where she, she, this was a woman that was lifting like what we call soil stone or made, they're made from like car these big giant blocks up until like she got sick. And she had my, my grand, she, like my mom said, like with uh, my grandfather, like my grandmother ran <laughs> the household, but things were still like tumultuous, but like she also made her own way. Like she built houses, she ran her own, um, what we call a rum shop and she was still making money but she was still doing like a lot of the small things herself like when she was building our family home she was there on the construction site every day <laughs> dictating and saying like this goes there because she knew exactly what she wanted so daima kind of reminded me of that and like, i think for a lot of i think not only for like chinese older chinese women but i think for a lot of women that came from a particular era they had that had to be something in them because like they they had to like struggle through so many things um like and and just like make their way and like for any woman to have to make her way and build her own empire whether it's a small one or a big one you have to have you have to have a lot of confidence you have to have a lot of surety in yourself but also you have to have i think um a willingness to be brutal in some sense and it doesn't have to be violence but you have yeah. to be able to like be able to defend hard decision. Sure, sure. It's a very clear decision that's not based off emotion and more logic than anything. I think, you know, I mean, women traditionally are the ones that have to run the house, right? But we're seeing this kind of era where they run the house and, you know, there's also opportunities for them to run a business. So they're running the house and the business, 
you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's what we we see with a character like Daima, right? As you know, culturally, this world kind of wakens up a little bit, and women are having more responsibility. But then these women like Daima that come from this old world um, era, they still they knew they grew up knowing that they're responsible for the house. But now yeah. they have this opportunity to have a business on the side. And, you know, a lot of the Chinese community is, is, is like that, right? With a woman that runs a household and then at the same time runs a business because, you know, the men are all going to work every day, but, you know, they, they, the women still want, you know, and they're grounded in that. And I think that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's a, it's actually quite common. Daima character is a quite common character, yet why haven't we seen that on screen, right? Which is really sad. Yeah, I think it's that we haven't seen it on North American screens because like I watch like a lot of um, Asian content and I see women like her. There's a film called Lucky Grandma that came out, I think. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I think it was 2019. Yeah, um, 2019, 19, Stacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and she like Daima kind of reminded me of her, but then it also made me think we don't get to see a lot of female Asian female characters, particularly in North American films, because like unless they're made by people like you who are of um, Chinese and Asian heritage, like if they're not made by you, like, and if they like, let's put it bluntly, like, people are not going to make characters like that. They're yeah, not going to. I mean, write about then again, like, like say that's not their. You know, I mean, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're a writer from from Silver Lake in Hollywood. It's like, what do you know about this culture? And mm -hmm. you know, is it your job responsibility to tell that in an honest way? Um, you can do their best, but it's like me just me writing a story about a Jewish family. Like, I don't. I could assume my stereotypes of what I think that is, but I don't really fully know. And yeah. yet, at the same time, you know, it's Hollywood, it's, it's all this industry driven by a lot by money versus art. And so we go to the things that are going to make us money. You know, I think that's just the reality of it as, as, as creators. Yeah, for sure. And so then like now talking, I think, like talking about the new things, like for Suga, she's kind of like, as I said before, she's kind of like the representation of the newer um generation of of like i wouldn't say necessarily women but i think she just represents like people not entering into society at a different place because when um daima became an immigrant to north to america the the landscape would have been completely different and and like you know because like there's things that she's expecting um so good to do right because she's working from this her own perceptions and her own understanding but then she's like so you're like i am not who you expect me to be i'm not going to do what you want me to do, which I thought was brilliant. I love the fact that she kind of subverted a lot of stereotypes that Daima, another Asian woman, had of her. So um, just talk a bit about um, Suga's character and also um, casting Shu because I think she's her. I love her face hmm. and I love I love how she uses her face. Like she's so badass to me <laughs> and like this character is so badass. And and I just and I love how also like both of these women are badasses in their own way, but they're also like vulnerable, as I said earlier. But to me, Shuya gives um, uh, Suga something I think that's very special where she like her 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 harshness comes as more as a self-defense mechanism and also for her goal to protect her daughter like she's every, everything she's doing is for her daughter and which is where Daima kind of like falls because Daima thinks doesn't know understand that that's it she doesn't understand her motivation she thinks it's about the money and Suga's like nah this is not about the money at all it's about my daughter that's my main motivation right Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, when we are, when when Suya auditions, I mean, there was something in here that I, I didn't get to see in a lot of um, Asian female actors, and it was that th there's a level of confidence in her that was unmatched that I didn't necessarily see. You know, it wasn't acting; it was just like who she was. Right. I mean, you could 
you can act confident or you can and, and you can be confident. And I think there's mm -hmm. a big difference in that. And what I saw with her was the, the strength that I'm like, ooh, there's something there that's very, very special. That's very just like um almost, you know, she's from Austria, so it's actually very German of just making mm -hmm. the choice and executing it. And um I, I was like, ooh, that's a fun, that's that's a great archetype to play with. Um and you know. I didn't know what Sister C was going to be like, you know, I, 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 I had hoped, I had hoped and expectations of what she was going to be on screen, but Suya opened up a whole new world of possibilities of what we could do with her, right. With her ability as, as an actor, um, you know, Sister C doesn't have that many lines, but we feel like we're with her throughout this whole film, right. Mm -hmm. We understand her, her perspective and it's all done with her face. It's all done in her eyes. And I mean, there's, and it's just oozing power and confidence. And, you know, I think that's something that that I've always, you know, hoped to have in a character in, in, in this film. But then, I mean, her execution is just unbelievable. Um, and yet, you know, at the same time, like, why not? Why is it so rare, right? I mean, almost every, every outlaw, every character in every American film has that sort of perspective of like, this badass perspective of you know just of what Hollywood movies are, and um, yeah, we've really never seen that you know uh, as an Asian female, right? They're going to be portrayed as you know sexy or you know or um, or dark, dorky, and nerdy, right? Very very rarely are they just normal, right? They have to be one of those sort of stereotypes, and I'm like, you know. And not to say that she's not, you know, beautiful and all those things, yeah. but at the same time, like, oh, that's not what our goal here is to do, right? We're going to lean in on, you know, making her a complex character with, you know, with, with a deep past. And, you know, I always thought was really interesting was how she comes to this world. Like, you know, a lot of times movies about women are like how they gain power throughout the film and they gain confidence and yet... For me, this was more about her. Just she coming in with confidence. She's already developed all those skills. That's another movie when she was seven where she figured it out, right? And so this is someone that's hardened and lived through so much to get to this moment. We're seeing her at this moment of like strength versus this moment of like, okay, I'm going to learn strength. You know, yeah. I think that's, it's a, you know, it's a Western basically, right? An outlaw coming to town and, and leaving, right? That's what it is. Yeah, it is. And and the thing is with this film is like these two women, like to me, like they are the focal point of the film. But then there's one one character that's very interesting to me is Rambo, played by um Sun Kang. And his character is interesting because he's kind of like his mother in the fact that he is he's very harsh, he's violent, mm -hmm. and and he, he cusses like a pirate. But right. but there's things that I think to me that kind of reveals um an immaturity. Sure. and a vulnerability in him that comes up because like um it's revealed that he went to prison he went to juvenile prison and he went to prison at a very young age because he was defending his mother he ended up having to kill his own father and that would have to me stunted his growth mentally and emotionally because he had to he had to basically put on these extremely tough exterior and persona to, in order to survive but then once he's out he's not sure how to like work in this in yeah. this work even if even though his he's working in a very tough world doing like smuggling for his sure. mother and yeah. drug dealing he's still very vulnerable and i love and to me that comes out in his moments with the fish like the fish tanks and he loves i saw that he loves his fish he knows everything about these fish and that's one of the few times that we get to see him 
be vulnerable and I to me it seemed that no one really understood that part about him like to them it's just a hobby but I saw that as like almost like his therapy yeah oh I'm, I'm, I'm glad you get to see it yeah I mean you all try all you try to do all these things intentionally and then sometimes it goes over people's head but it's beautiful that you actually recognize that you know and I think that's you know he's a very complex I mean he has his own movie I think you know I think I'm, I've known Sung for like 20 years. And so to get such a big star, there's no way I get that kind of star unless we're friends. And, and you know, it wasn't a big role because the story is about the women. But at the same time, I'm like, let we need to make this character more complex. You know, he's actually loosely based off of um, one of the other actors' life, uh, Pai Guat, right? That Pai Guat character. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that went to jail at 13 and he got out at 35. And his perspective on the world is just like, whoa, man, that's, that's a lot, you know, because, you know, and then that's like as much, you know, depression as, as, as Rambo had, right. And it's just darkness, but at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're robbed of your, of of your teenage years and your twenties, and yet you live in the underworld and that is you, what that's where you're from, like, you know, those are the years, the prime, that's the only times it's fun to be a gangster, I think. And to be robbed of that, to come of that, you know, with this, you know, idea of what Asian masculinity really is. And, you know, like, there's a lot, there's a lot to live up to, right? As, as an Asian American man, you, since you're like seven, six, you realize like you are the lowest on the totem pole as a man, right? And so that pressure, whether it be with the school kids or on TV or stories, you know, you feel that, right? And so what happens is the gangster, you have power, but, you know, that power is going to come out in really, really odd and terrible ways, you know, if you don't really understand what that, where that insecurity comes from. And, you know, that was something I really wanted to make sure we did with Rambo was like, make sure that he's not just this one-dimensional thug, evil villain, you know, he has to have these, uh, you know, because no one's, in movies, people are good and bad, but in life, no one's really just good or bad. It's just, you know, we're all complex, you know, and I think that was very important because, you know, we're telling a story about uh, a gangster and it's like we only know one one kind of gangster, the ones that just shoot everybody, you know. Yeah. And important. the thing and I, tell me if I'm wrong, but there is one line where um, it's mentioned that like Daima has three sons is um, history, right? And like one of them works on Wall Street. We never get to see him. Yeah. Well, he's the one at the wedding. He, right, he's the one at the wedding, but then after that, it's like, but I, I, to me, like his, he, I felt a kind of presence that he left. Where to me, I, I wondered if, um, for Rambo, if he was trying to measure up to this brother because his, he never got the chance to become what his brother was, right? Like his future was kind of like determined for him based on this one action he did as a child, and it's almost like to me there was this a bit of resentment that he has to his mom. For where once he came out, she could have been like, okay, you did this, you served your time, go and do something where you're not involved in this world. But she kind of drew him in and kept him there. And then it's, um, and I, so I wanted to ask you about that because I was like, maybe, am I like feeling this or is it just me? Because I just no, wanted there. To- it's totally there. I mean, I'm probably my, my execution was, 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 you know, there's a lot of things going on. I think this is more of a TV series than anything, but, you know, uh, it definitely was there, right? I mean, the, the, this brother, and I think, I mean, every parent is wants to be proud of their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And Asian parents definitely have that. And, you know, Asian parents, 
especially the immigrant ones, they don't, you know, they want you to grow up in Chinatown, but they want you to move out, right? They want you to get out. No one wants you. But Rambo has no choice. There's nowhere for him to go. And so, you know, it's almost with reluctance that Daima is, you know, bringing him back into her fold because that's not a world that he, she wants him in, right? Yeah. But he has no choice, you know, with who he is and where he is in life, right? And, you know, even being able to have that kind of communication and working with your mom, I don't think anyone would be that happy working with their mom. Not that in that age. environment, for sure. Right? <laughs> and not one where, you know, a one mistake can lead to like a catastrophe, which is eventually yeah. what does happen. Like things right. fall apart quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk, there's two very interesting things I want to talk about. Um, your editing for this is very interesting. I love the visual cues you use. Like some of the things that come out were the, the use of things like the fish tank mm. and these red plastic bags. I, I There was a scene where just before um, Paigui dies, I saw that is like, there's this red plastic bag and it has water dripping on it. I'm like, with the right lighting, that water could be mistaken for blood. So I wanted to ask you about these, these, like, these little visual cues you put in throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that you, I love that you saw that, right? I mean, there's a lot of those. And I mean, making a film is thinking that much about it before you actually shoot it. There's definitely mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of things that I really wanted to make sure I captured. And yeah, Chinatown, the red bag army, man, it's just like, you know, if you really look, it's just red bags everywhere mm -hmm. in Chinatown. If you really look before growing up for me, it was pink bags, but then somewhere I think red bags were cheaper. So they made red bags. Um, so yeah, the red bags are everywhere. And I always feel like that's, that's, you don't get more Chinatown than that. Right. And it's a subtle element, but it was something that I was production design it was always easy for them to make sure we had a ton of red bags all over the place. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's, it was important. It was important to, to make sure I captured that small nuance, right? Cause that's something that if you didn't spend a lot of time in Chinatown, it's something you don't notice. Right. And that's something that I guarantee you is not in any of these, I mean, in these iron fist shows or these things, they're just not there. Right. Um, that being said, uh, yeah. And the idea of the fish text, I mean, arowana films and me, I've loved, I love fish. I, and I am, I'm, I'm a Pisces, but really more of the focus was really more about the idea of water, right? Because mm, yes, water is a huge element for me, um, but also representing in this film is the idea of crossing bodies of water to, you know, your destination. And that was, you know, something that me and the cinematographer world will always try and talk about, well, you know, how do we fit more water elements in this? It was an actual, a, absolute, you know, headache, but a nice little visual challenge because I felt like, you know, with this little water dripping here in this moment, yeah, it's it's a little more effort to get that happen. But in the end, I think the viewers can understand like there's this idea of um, fluidity, right? And being able to adjust and evolve, you know, just like, you know, what Bruce Lee always says, you know, it's be water, right? Water, yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's important. That was important for me. That was important for um, the visuals and, you know, the overall story, you know, and the idea too, even a snake head, right, is an actual fish on top of being a, you know, a, 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 a smuggler. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the snakehead fish is actually the northern snakehead in, in, in the U.S. has been an, an invasive species that they are trying to get rid of the Asian monster fish, when the reality is like, they were so afraid of it happening that would wipe out all their imported fish anyways, game fish, they actually made the populations go up because now there's more food. And I think that was, that was, um, 
you know, it's just the idea, right? When people don't like change, and especially when people like to blame other cultures, minorities for that, um, it, it's the, the snake is a perfect symbol of that idea. You know, in the long run, they actually benefit everybody. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, you, that's the perfect segue to my next session because I was going to ask about the water because um, I just love how you use it as trans. Like you mentioned, it's about um, well, transitioning. It's like you know, it's about um, moving forward and. I also saw it as a way um, of like changing the story because like, I found like with the water scenes, especially big moments happen up right after. So it's like it's like they like water movements moves from one state to another, but then it also is a very powerful force, mm. a very steadily powerful force. Like water can erode rock like yeah. over time, but it makes its own way. It has to find its own way. And like back home in the old back home in Barbados, we say the sea will always find its way back home, and mm. that means that no matter what happens, the the sea will always find a way to reclaim the land yeah no for sure we, we are we are powerless against the ocean i think exactly you know, it's the most powerful force in this world and mm -hmm. you know I, and i think that's you know even when i talked about the idea of this family right in the in new york chinatown and the idea of like you know she could fight them or she could just be with them Right. And yeah. if you can, you know, the, there was this early idea of like, you, you can't fight the ocean. Right. And, you know, you kind of can go, you can't fight it, but you can use it as a force and momentum to propel you forward. Yet at the same time, you know, you don't necessarily need to go the same direction as everybody else. And I think that's what Sister C does. She uses that momentum to go and make her own way in the, in the, in, 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 in the, in the environment and space. And, you know, water is a huge metaphor for that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can, it can break off. It can just make its own path versus being a part of the bigger body. And I think that's what, you know, New York Chinatown always felt like that for me. It felt like this place that's very much underwater, right? Very much like people are just kind of like moving through it slowly. And if you can find the right current, you can find the right path, you're in a good place to move out of there. Yeah, I think, um... I think the that's where I think the visual metaphor of the fish tanks actually really um, stand up for me because I just saw it as like you have all these people. In, like, I love that you actually kind of refer to like Chinatown as a fish tank because that's exactly what I was thinking. That is this contained space with all of these people who a lot of them are immigrants who came across either through on, over a plane or by boat are struggling to like survive and like like when you have uh, too many fish in a tank, they can actually eventually you die. Can't up breathe. Because you can't breathe. You can't right? breathe. Right. And they then so either you make more space for them, you take some out and put them into another tank mm -hmm. or are you watch them slowly there. And that's what how I saw the that's how I kind of saw the story going, because like, you have all these people struggling for power, even like with Rambo, he's starting to like buck against his mother's will. And and, and play what he does, he's doing the same thing. They're all like trying to find their own power in this small space. And like some are eventually going to have some are eventually going to die because like you can't have all of these power structures existing in such a contained space. Yeah, no, I think that's, the, I mean, you got it. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a beautiful idea. I, I, I really tried to um, think about, you know, early parts of the film, right? And, you know, and then when you get into production and you get into characters, you're just trying to figure out how to tell the story, right? But I think it, the intentions were there and I'm, I'm glad they, 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 they still lasted. And they, they reached the, the viewer, <laughs> the audience. Yeah, for sure. And um, I also want to talk a bit about something that I think I don't think I've ever seen it in another film hmm. um, where you talk about two types of um, illegal immigration. We have the snakehead, hmm. which is the Chinese, um, which are the Chinese importers. But then you you take it across to Mexico yeah. and we have the coyotes. 
Yes. So you have you have you have Chinese and you have Mexican immigrants yes. existing in the same space. And I don't think I've ever actually seen that in a film done the same way where you're talking where you're talking about how illegal immigration actually occurs both by land and by sea. And that you show how they actually connect, because I don't think a lot of people would think that you'd have Chinese immigrants coming through Mexico to get into the U.S., but it shows that they will legit go as far as they have to to get to where they need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my research and, you know, I think for movies, you kind of dumb it down and you simplify it. Right. But the networks around the world for these snakeheads are just incredible. And they have to be in places that are more friendly, that are leaving more wild wild west like you know where there's just even more and less regulation than there is you know the u.s is not an easy place to get into um in my research a lot of chinese ended up in south america right i mean and a lot of times they can it's easier to get to guatemala than it is I mean, you can't get into la but you can get to guatemala right and then we all know that there are plenty of coyotes that will take you from anywhere in south america to across the border and you know, there are these stories. I mean, if anything, if you look, I mean, the the Border Patrol has a good amount of, you know, everyone in the news always talks about, you know, Latinos and South Americans. But, you know, it's a good, I don't remember the numbers, but I, I remember there was like, there's like last year, 1,100 Chinese were caught coming over the border, right? And that was, no one ever talked about that, but they are. And they're not necessarily coming over with their Chinese coyotes. They're coming over with through coyotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they may have even more money than some of these South Americans, right? That they're able to pay more for these sort of moments uh, to, to come over. And you know, smuggling is 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 something that uh, I felt like you know is getting it, it's um it, it's constantly evolving and changing because of the routes. And so you know, and it's also the people that are moving are very different, and that's always changing. And so these networks are completely always evolving. And something that may have been there before is not there anymore, right? The, the, the safe house that was over in Mexico City is gone, you know? And so there's constantly evolving. And yet at the same time, you know, the snakehead in China, the snakehead in New York has to make sure that this cargo and these people are going to get to where they're going to get to because otherwise they don't get paid, right? Mm-hmm. And they also lose trust, right? Because someone like a sister paying a daima, um character once they start losing people no one's going to trust them and no one's going to pay them right and i think that's what you know actually the true story was actually really was like see everyone trusted her um and so yeah having both those elements i think you know underworlds no one other worlds right i mean they just they they that's they have to because they're they're um they're they're their worlds uh they need those kind of resources that only they can find others that can provide that Right. And I'm speaking about trust. So that's another one of my other questions is like for what they're doing for all of these characters, they have to have trust in each other. But then when the trust starts to slowly fade away, that's when they start making decisions. Like Asaga had me make, there was a moment where I was like, girl, what are you doing? This is a bad decision. And this is the one where she starts, she's agreeing to smuggling this family uh, without Daima's permission or without her, her knowing. And I'm like, this could backfire on you in a very bad way because she's discussing it with all these people around any of the I was like any of these people could turn on you because they could want to get getting good with Daima you know like they why are you talking so long I'm like what are you doing so but then it to me I saw that as her 
that's her trying realizing that she needs to start to make her own moves sure. because the, her, her initial thing was to get in good with the family with sure. Diamond because she sure. realized that's how she's going to make it but then she realized she can't she can't really trust Daima because she saw Daima doing things and she's like I can't trust this woman fully sure. so I'm going to have to make my moves but then that's like in this community if trust is lost like things fall apart very very quickly and yeah. very very badly yeah well I you know that really actually stems from the idea of what it is to be American right mm -hmm. um American culture is very individualistic right Asian culture and a lot of other cultures are it's more about the whole than the individual and I think she has to learn that over that process of you know people the end Daima is using her right using her maybe she will live her in a fold eventually but she sees something in her that like okay I can I, I'm gonna use you right because you have these skills and these abilities yeah in the end like she's you know Daima no problem getting rid of her and so I think you know for me it was really the the, the, the juxtaposition between being American and being um uh, uh Asian right in terms of yeah. the cultural things and then the idea of individual versus the whole and um you know I think that's what happens in America right like you realize like no one the whole is not as important as what i can get from myself right and she gets a taste of that she gets a taste of what daima is all about what these people are doing and you know i think that's just the, the the reality of any sort of underworld story of you know realizing that you know the choices i make um are not selling mine anymore when you're following the family's sort of uh you know uh uh underworld's theme Right. I think that they, their mission is different than what she is there for. Yeah. And um, going a bit from that, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is uh, Siga's perception of weakness. So she, she says something very interesting at in the beginning, which is um, like one of the ways for women to have to pay off snakeheads or even coyotes is prostitution. They're forced into prostitution. And she says, that's for that's for the weak and she's not weak and I wanted to talk about that because as a woman like for me when she said that I was like but you know that that it's not that these women are weak is that they they're they're forced into this that they have no choice yeah. so I wanted to talk about that part of her because I was like where's the empathy for these other women why and the sure, thing is the sure. women were nice to her they sure. were no no yeah for sure for sure so there's like I mean I didn't get into it as much in the, the story as much as I'd like to because it was there and we yeah. you know, really explored. You know, a lot of the Asian women that I've spoken to that are in that world and prostitution, massage parlors, like they have a choice. They had a choice, and they make that choice based off of you know, do what do I want to do? Do I want to go work and make full dumplings or do I want to do this? You know, I think she's a lot different in a sense where she had to overcome that strength and that weakness, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's born into prostitution because her mother was a prostitute and she's born into it. And she figured it out at a certain age, like, I don't want to do this anymore, right? And that's her idea of a weakness. Yeah, I'm not saying that for all, obviously. Oh, a yeah. lot of them don't have a choice. And But specifically this Chinatown world and a lot of the women that do come over, they have a choice. You know, and, you know, again, like, do they want it's choices they make and, you know, some are empowered enough to be like, yeah, this is what I do. Yet, I think for her and, and Sister C's mind, it was it's it, it's 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 the weak, what she sees as weak, right, mm. versus 
the overall story. And maybe, yeah, I mean, it's great that you bring that up because I didn't really thought of it from that perspective, but I've always felt it more as an individual choice for her versus what she's saying about all of them. Because from her background, she had to overcome that weakness, right? To get out of that world. Because the thing to me is I, for any woman that has to be in that environment, um, I didn't think of it as them being weak because that you have, that you're, they have to like every day know what's coming and and then mm. get up the next day and do the same thing over and they're and these women are working towards the same goal as she is to get out from under the thumb of these people that are demanding this exorbitant amount of money from them so i just thought it was interesting but i did i but i can't see where she was coming from too because she's thinking i made it out so therefore i am stronger than you but then also she was like i'm willing to also do these more violent acts so therefore i'm also there stronger than you in that aspect as well so yeah. she's just a very interesting character because there are women that think about that that think that way so i do like that you added that in but it was just like really curious no it's a great point it's a great point i mean i think you know and i almost feel like too there's a false sense of confidence that she has right there's a sense of like she's all powerful superhero actually character but you know, it's overcompensating right it's over like she's going out she knows she has to go the distance like well i'm gonna go 120 percent the distance otherwise she's not gonna survive and she's not gonna make a name first she's not gonna you know exist yeah and but then also speaking of strength i think she she does show strength in one way and this is where real and um the, where the film ends mm. and she makes this very what could be a potentially devastating um, decision because she's not sure how it will affect her going on down the line but she's sure in the moment that this is the right one and this is about her daughter and like the and, the, and it's kind of like a follow-through from her conversation with um daima throughout the whole time where she's talking about my goal is what i want and daima having no idea that her goal was her daughter and like for and like you talked about the individualism and it's kind of the same thing where she wanted her daughter to have to have a life where she can make decisions for herself where she has that individualism and she doesn't have the family because if she has stayed with daima her daughter would have somehow some way ended up um entangled in that life and she didn't want that for her she didn't want that particular type of family life for her daughter so she's like i'm gonna take my own way and i'm gonna have to give my daughter her own path too. Her daughter has no idea this is happening, but she's setting her daughter on a path away from a life that would have probably broken her and torn her apart. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, mean, I think that goes to the idea of, 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 of realizing, you know, um, why we're doing anything in life, right? This movie really is about understanding where you come from, why you make decisions, where the root of any of your goals are coming from, right? And you know, I think her goals in the beginning of the film are very, you know, they feel very um, generous, but it, it actually, it's actually very selfish, right? She's actually, it's, it's for her. And then she realizes at the end, like, this is actually for me and not for her, right? And in the end, you know, it's very, it's like the hardest choice you could possibly ever make. And, you know, I, I feel like I tried to attempt it. I'm not a, a mother, so I have no idea what that feels like. But at the same time, like, this is, probably one of the hardest decisions she has to make and and if she has to go through any kind of arc that's the decision she has to make and realizing like okay like the individual versus the whole and going you know coming back out of being american and realizing oh it's about you know her if it's about her that then it's not about me anymore and i have to sacrifice for that and i think that's you know, the ultimate choice that she has to make in, in the arc is her character. Because if she goes and takes her, then it's like, well, then the, the gangsters are going to go and get her and there's weakness to that. And, 
And, you know, I mean, who's, I mean, that girl has pretty good potential life, right. With those parents in New York city. And so, you know, it's not something she could provide, but at the same time, like, you know, who, what she's become, she also knows like, I'm not ready to be a mother. Right. I mean, I think we see that, like, I can't just to see being a mother. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a whole other movie just to figure out how to become one. Right. And yet the desire and the choices she makes, it's like, you know, when people make decisions, the easy decision to get to the hard place, you know, and that decision is not dealing with the hard stuff. It's just doing the easy things, you know, um, you want to do, you know, and, and I think that's, that, that's sort of what she does, right? She takes the easy route, the things that she's good at. She's good at doing underworld stuff. She's good at smuggling. She's good with violence, but the hard choice would be for her to spend time with the daughter would be, you know, uh, develop a relationship, you know, get a nice home for her. You know, those things she wasn't going for. She found enjoyment and satisfaction in, you know, the underworld. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that part about it. I love that ending particularly because to me, it said so much about sometimes the hardest thing is letting go. You know, no matter how hard you have to fight to hold on to something, right. you eventually have to decide to let it go for the better. And I just, and I think that was the perfect way to end it because that is a happy ending, whether some, whether some people might not see it that way, but I do, I'm like, she's doing what's right for her and for her daughter. And that's a happy yeah. ending to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing, right. Even, even breaking the idea of like the American gangster film, right. Of like the snitch. Right. I mean, it's like the snitch is just, it's folklore that yeah. that the the boss gangsters want the younger guys to say to save themselves and you know it's it's the whole but it's not really the whole the whole it's the, it's the individual bosses that are trying to save themselves and um i think that's what the choices she had to make right i mean uh it's not for the, the righteous choices is usually not for you it's not it's yeah. not your own choice in the underworld thank you so much for speaking to me i really enjoyed our conversation and i really enjoyed the film and congrats on it showing at two festivals does it have any more coming up that you would like to announce no i mean we're just going to be in theaters october 29th so that's uh that that's that's and theaters in vod and october 29th so that's that's the bigger thing i gotta start telling everyone so that's <laughs> exciting Okay, I'll make sure to put that in the post for the podcast. Thank you so much, Evan, for speaking to me. This is, I think, like, congrats on your first debut, Phil, and also for landing the cast that you got because everyone was phenomenal. Oh, so yeah. congrats to you and the entire team. Thank you. So everyone, thank you for joining me for this new episode of Carolyn Talks. This was such a great conversation with the writer and director Abby Jackson Leung about his debut feature film Snakehead. Um, it was a it's a great film. If you have an opportunity to see it, please do. I think it's an important film to, to discuss immigration, especially the female perspective um, in, in on immigration in America and the Chinese um, experience in Chinese culture and I think also heritage because it, they, the film does talk about the history of Chinese immigrants in um, in, in America and in New York specifically. Um, I, I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed talking to Evan. So I appreciate him coming on to talk with me and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can find more interviews on the butwhythepodcast.com as well as on my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. You can follow me on social media at Carrie CNH12, that's C R I E C N H 1 2. You can find my two my uh, my two other podcasts. So here's what happened that I co-host with my co-host Lanisha Campbell. 
as well as my Beyond the Romance drama podcast slash YouTube channel or YouTube playlist, I should say. And you can, and also if you would like to take part in my live tweets with hashtag dramas with Carrie and hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi, which I do every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. And until the next episode, everyone, please stay safe. Ooh, 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 ooh.